Imagine a football platform where the world's best writers give you the real story about what's going on at United. Imagine no pop-up ads, no clickbait headlines and no ridiculous rumours to be let down by. You don't need to imagine anymore. Meet The Athletic. No ads, no nonsense, just football. Visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash United We Stand to start your 30-day free trial and get 50% off your annual subscription. The Athletic, the new home of football writing. Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. I'm sat here with Dimitar Berbatov. I went to interview him a couple of years ago uh, in the south of Spain and it was, it was really, really popular. Uh, I'd not interviewed him before and he came down and said, OK, well, let's do it quickly. And in the end, he's telling me all about growing up and I found his life story fascinating. So thank you for joining us, Dimitar. OK, thank you for having me. Is it OK that we do this uh, interview in Bulgarian? In Bulgarian? Yeah. Uh, I don't think you understand anything, but... But uh, just for the thing that for my life story, people can read my book when it comes in English. Yes. They will be fascinated about it. You still want to publish it in English? I, will, I am translated at the moment, so when it comes up, I will let everybody know. Well, we can. I'm sure you've got a brilliant life story. Well, I'm sure people will buy it. Everybody have a life story. Everybody have their problems, difficulties. So I don't have any exception of that formula. But maybe because I'm coming from a small country, different lifestyle. They, maybe that will be interesting. Not many people's parents queued up for bread. Well, not many probably in England, I don't know. But back home it was a common thing. So I, I am used to not knowing what is not to have and then what is to have, which can be a big difference when you are all of a sudden uh, popular and have money. And if you don't know how to handle that, then quickly can disappear. One story you told me which I loved was you're 10 or 11, you're playing in the blocks of your apartments where you live, the tower blocks. You've got a really good team. And when you went to play rival teams, mm -hmm. they knew Berber was coming. <laughs> well, I have my street, uh, street credit. You had street yeah, credit. Yeah, of course. <laughs> that was very important for me. Because uh, you know how it's in the movies. You have these people hustling on the street. They have the street credit. Well, I have mine back home. So you were a hustler. Yeah, I was a football hustler. They know I'm coming. They were a bit more, uh, you know, respected so they are respecting us and obviously most of the time we are winning and if we didn't win then basically the next day there was a rematch because I needed to win and um, when I speak to professional footballers without being self-aggrandizing they say that they were the best in their village their town mm. and which level did you get to before you found a player who you thought this guy's as good as me well to be honest, back home on the street kind of football we play, on, uh, not on grass, because back then, especially in Bulgaria, we don't have a small pitch grass uh, on the, how do you call that, when the, on the street where the cars are driving on it? Tarmac. Tarmac. Concrete. Yeah, we play on that, on concrete. So on that way of football, we have working people who on their spare time go and play football. And they were really good, trust me. But one way or another, they didn't find uh, their way in life professionally to play football, or maybe an injury, or maybe something else. But you can see in that way of playing football how good technically they were, also intelligent. And for me, growing up and being part of this kind of football, I developed my technique, like Brazilians do on the beaches, but I do it on concrete, you know. 
go home and you have all your bloods on your knees and ankles and your mother is crying and you cry and stuff like that. But then I developed my technique. Uh, you cannot say anything if someone is bullying you or pushing you on the pitch because if you say something, you get a smack. That's it. So you try to uh, handle that as best as possible and you learn and become stronger. That's why when I become a professional football player, it's difficult to get the ball away from me. I know how to handle myself from an early age. So these players, street footballers, you can learn a lot from them. And back then it was unbelievable because you go and you see different kind of people with scars everywhere and uh, you know, you can see how hard-working people you can... If you see someone's face or posture or everything, you can guess sometimes what he's working and how life is beating him up sometimes. And you say, this guy is fucking working all his life, you know, and you go... And when I go play with guys like this, they don't say, they don't, they don't spare you, they kick the shit out of you. And you get a good life lessons out of that. But, you know, of course, the question to answer you that there was a good players, actually better than me. But I was lucky, I don't know how, probably right choices in life, you know, and there are more, more players with more talent than me, but they didn't develop and become a good players, although I became one. You mentioned the Brazilians. I spoke to Rafael and Fabio, and every summer they go home, they have a football pitch at the house, and they say they, the, the games, the standard of the seven-a-side is so high that they reckon their mates could play exactly. Premier League yeah, exactly. for their talent level. I agree with that. That's why it's the same with back home in the same. Now, although there is a difference playing a small-sided game, six-a-side or seven-a-side or five-a-side, then playing professional game, 11 side, because I know players, professional players, they're unbelievable when it comes down to 11 aside, professional football game, but if you put them 5 aside, 6, 7 aside, they are lost, they don't know what to do, the other way around also is true, so these kind of games for me are for intelligent players who know how to handle tight spaces, and if you're not one of them, it's going to be difficult for you, but if you want to learn, and improve your intelligence on the pitch, this is the best way to do it. Anyway, we're speaking in Bulgarian. Kaksi. That's the only thing you know? No. <laughs> what else? <laughs> Moeto. Um, okay. Imre. E. Andy. <laughs> your accent is terrible than mine in English. No, because it's from the <laughs> south of Sofia, so that's why you don't get it. You're from the outskirts. Oh, it doesn't matter. You're a country boy. You can work on that, on that thing, You're going, it's, it's going to get better, but our language is really difficult. It's really difficult to totally. learn. Remember they told you the story about the British guy who went to Bulgaria? Yeah, the Partisan in the Second Book, World yeah, War. It's one of the most amazing stories. He loved the Bulgarian people and language so why? much. Well, I don't know why. He just had a passion for your country and studied it in university. Yeah, but he's English. He's English. And he will go to fight in a way, for someone else. Well, he fought with your partisans yeah, in the Second why? World War. I mean, must maybe, be a reason for that. Or maybe his grandfather was Bulgarian. Maybe it's something like that. But it cost him his life. Yeah, exactly my point. Why are you going to die for someone from some other country, not yours? Yeah. You know, that must be a reason for that. Maybe he felt an attachment to the Bulgarian people. Yeah. Well, we are good people. Where well, he went there. We are good people. What are you doing now? Now, as I mentioned, my book is coming soon. Mm. What's my, it called? 
my way, of course. Okay. Doing things my way. Frank Sinatra. <laughs> exactly. Inspired by that song. Uh, my foundation, 11 years now, from talented kids, we support them back home only because small country, not much money. So if you have a talent, maybe your parents don't have, don't, doesn't have the money to send you to a concert. I'm not talking about football. Science, arts, you know, stuff like this. So I'm doing that. Of course, I have my business interests, as everyone, uh, spread in different areas. And uh, my new ambassador from time to time is also. And doing my coaching budgets because you never know in life. But the funny thing is that I never have and didn't say yet officially that I am retiring from football. Okay. You know, all the players I see doing that. But my last game was one year ago. And I'm still thinking as active football player, you know, because I keep myself fit. But uh, people are used now to the idea that I don't play anymore. Would you like to play again? Of course. Everyone, even if I'm 43 or 5 or whatever, you ask a football player, he's going to say, fuck yeah, I want to play again. I watched the game yesterday. And uh, you, you thought you could play. And I see the pitch, I see the grass, I see the green. You know, the stadium, everything. But you must be able to get a team. Well, it's not so easy because I'm 38 now. Yeah. So I cannot play high standard as a Premier League anymore. Okay? It's difficult that for me. Maybe for 5, 10, 15 minutes or whatever. But well, you need to know if it's worth it to go play in a lower level of football. Is it worth it? For example, right. I was in India when I was 37 with West yeah. Brown. We together. Yeah. Completely different experience. You know, for four months... Football was different, uh, the lifestyle was different, everything was different. Uh, so you need to calculate if it's going to work, if it's going to be okay for you. Why don't you speak to Gary and Ryan about playing for Salford <laughs> City? I was thinking about that. Yeah, you need a striker, guys. Give me a call. Yeah. <laughs> but that's too low. Come on. Right. So you, you need a team that can play football. So the year before you went to India, Diego Forlan went there. And, and with, yeah, exactly. and, and with yeah. respect to Diego, and I was speaking to him every week when he was there, his pace had gone, so what he needed was fast players around him exactly. to support him yeah. because he could still finish and, and did I agree it. With you. So, I agree with you. so what do you need? The same thing. People right. run around me. Not, not, this is not a new thing because people were running around me in my peak. So, but when you are clever and you have quick players around you, they will know that you can find them every time. They just need to do the right movement in the pitch but that is also not easy you need intelligence for that as well but are you actually retiring for football i don't think so you stay connected in football well as, as football a player. player yeah but still you are in, in if you continue working with football you stay connected with football so you're actually not retiring you just stop playing socrates played aged 53 Back in the day, one game, uh, 15 minutes. Stanley Matthews get the golden ball at 43 or something, was it? You know. You know, there's still a player in Japan playing right. in the top division. Not only one, there are two playing the same team. One is 45, the other is something like that. I read about it the other day. Yeah. So one of them is 50, <laughs> 51. <laughs> he so renewed I'm, his contract. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm reading about that and I'm like, what the fuck, that? You know. So someone needs to invite me to Japan. So you could play in Japan. I might go there later in the year to go and see uh, Iniesta and David Villa and uh, yeah, Sergi yeah, Sampa. Yeah. They're all playing at the it's same a, team. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, well, someone needs to invite me and go teach them some football. But 
the question remains, is it worth it? Are you going to feel okay? Are you going to you know, have the will uh, to go and train every day? Because now the training sessions need to be different for me when I'm 38 than for someone who is 21. You know, you cannot go on the same, uh, how do you say... Uh, yeah, the you, you can't be running through forests with Ramalot. For example, for example or, you? Uh, you need to have a special training session for you. But that's not difficult, is it? Fit for your needs. Well, not every coaches understand and see football like that, to be honest. So that's why in modern football now, uh, you need to fit the training session to be okay for the players, because everybody is different. Back then, when I was running in the forest with Germany, it, it, sorry, it doesn't matter how old you are or how physically prepared you are, go and run. But you can offer something that they, they cannot run. But again, everybody sees football differently. You know. When you've seen United this pre-season, one thing I've been struck by by was very fast young players okay. pressing high. Yeah. I don't know whether it'll work or not, but I like it. Well, I watched the game yesterday and I was so happy from what I saw, honestly. Honestly, it was like, uh, now it's a pre-season, okay? Sometimes you have this game in the pre-season where you, you look... Uh, from outside, you're like, what a, what a game, what a team we have. Now we're going to crush everybody in the Premier League. But then nothing like that happened. So pre-season games, I tend not to look at as a, how do you say, so much of a show of you can do it or not. Because the truth is sometimes you have players for training sessions, you have players for friendly games, and you have players for official games. Because... Some players you cannot handle the pressure, or someone just something else. I don't know. But what I saw yesterday was really excite me for the season, especially the new players. Uh, the boy that scored the goal, uh, Greenwood, Greenwood, 17 years old. With the way he cut the ball in on the left foot, it shows. It shows again intelligent thinking, uh, finishing, and it's a good sign of getting to develop that player to be uh, a real good one. Long way to go, of course, because. 17, oh my god, long way to go and to learn, but this is a good base and the best place to be to learn, you know, and they are quick and fast, and that's why I was telling you about Monaco before, because when I go there, young players, and they were running around me circles, and I'm like, fuck, I'm getting old, you know. Martial was one of them. Well, and you can see straight away, you can see, if you're a football player and you know what to look, you can see straight away the talent in someone, you can see straight away. So why is Martial been, he's had some great moments at United, but he's not found a level of consistency? You think he's a great player? I think he can be even better. Yeah. Uh, I get to know him a little bit when I was in Monaco, because he's... Uh, he came Private, from, private, yeah. as, me, as myself, yeah. and I always respect people's privacy. But also with observing, you can see sometimes how people are maybe get 10% of what they really are. And I can see that he's close to himself. But uh, if you have the right approach with him, he can let you in. I'm sure about that. And of course, football-wise, you need uh, consistency. I mean consistency in playing regularly. So, for example, you play one, two games fantastically, but then the coach, because this is what football now is, constantly, how do you say, rotating players, so you have three games in a row perfectly. Your confidence is sky high. You score five goals. Okay, you want to play. Then the coach says, okay, I need to save you. 
because we have another game next time. So you rest now. So all of a sudden now you're like, uh, fuck's sake, coach, you know, I really want to play. Well, that's my decision. So now you drop down a little bit mentally. And then you don't play in that game. And your, uh, how do you say that in English? Uh, your confidence drops. No, not no. confidence, but it stops your flow. Yeah. If you, you know what I mean? Yeah. It stops your flow. And then the next game, maybe you're not the same as the three games before. So after that game, it comes another one like that, another one like this. And then you lose your form a little bit. And then it's difficult to pick it up again. Of course, maybe that this is not going to happen. Maybe you continue perfectly. But in some players, me, myself included, I remember having uh, things like this. It can affect you your games and then you will be like well why is he not producing goals like the three games he had before that because the flow stopped because the coach say well we need to give you a rest which language did you speak to Martial in? well I tried English but he didn't speak English back then so how did you so communicate with him? sign language sign language <laughs> no I'm joking <laughs> <laughs> well you can see you can always find a way to if you want to say something to someone a friend is going to help you. Yeah. Or in the pitch, you're going to yeah. show him with his movement. Uh, so it was... Uh, but actually, it was nothing much to say because he, he had that intelligence. He just need to... Someone to put him in the right direction. I think he improved as a player from the day in Monaco, but I think he can be a lot, a lot better. Abidal told me he should be a central attacker. Good point. I agree with that, but not yet, maybe. Maybe not yet, because he can be the same as Thierry Henry, who was in the beginning playing left or right or whatever in the wings. But then he moved to the more central role in Arsenal, and he was unbelievable. So I see something like this with Martial, but maybe not yet. It's too soon. And the public perception of Martial is completely different in England to... Uh, Patrice put me in touch with his family in Les Oulis, where he's from in, in Paris. And his family is really well respected in, in the barrio there. They're all football players. Uh, the money from his transfer to United bought three team coaches for the local football team. They're like really well respected in the community. What do you mean? But, uh... Because he's seen, because he's not communicating in English, people don't feel like they know him. They, they feel like he, he doesn't look like he's happy there. He wants to leave. He said he wanted to go. Now, wait a minute. So you need to smile all the time like a fool so people know that you're happy? No. So I don't see the point then. You, this makes me angry sometimes. If you don't smile, it means you're not happy. What the fuck? Well, I am happy all the time. I don't feel obliged to show it to everyone. You know, I feel, I feel happy waking up, breathing, talking to you now. I'm not gonna laugh and look stupid and just ooze fake positivity. You know, you can be positive and uh, enjoying life in different ways. But first, get to know the guy if you can. If, you let, if he lets you in. If he doesn't let you in, they will respect his privacy. That's it. You can listen to this podcast for free, thanks to our sponsorship with The Athletic. There's some really good quality football writing on there, and there's a 50% discount if you subscribe for the first year. The app's really clean. There's no adverts on there. Uh, Laurie Whitwell's done a good interview with Eric Steele, the former Manchester United goalkeeping coach. I spoke to... People about Victor Lindelof the other day, people who know more about playing central defence than I do, and I did a big piece last week on the Stretford end and the new singing section, so there'll be lots more Manchester United content on the Athletics app this week, 
and we'll continue now with Dimitar Berbatov talking about Marcus Rashford. Marcus Rashford is a talented young striker yeah, at like Manchester United. Why do you like him a lot? I don't know. He's because he smiles. Uh, no, no, he's different. He's he's he just run towards people, try to beat people. He have the confidence. Uh, he is uh, quick, which has never was so quick. And he is working on his shooting technique. I can see it sometimes. He tried to maybe a little bit imitate Ronaldo when he's shooting free kicks. The only thing maybe he needs to work on, but just just so small details, is the finishing. Maybe just a little bit more, and he'll be he'll be great. He's still so young again, but he's have experience. Manchester United national team. Which players do you keep in touch with from your time at Manchester United, uh, if any? No, keep with uh, with Vida, with with Patrice, with Rio from time to time. You know, the good thing is when you are playing in teams, different teams, you stay in touch with your ex-teammates. It doesn't matter if you don't speak with someone for ten, five years. For example, I was in Leverkusen two months ago, a reunion. They celebrated something, so I didn't see some of the players for 15 years. But it was like. We didn't see them. I didn't see them yesterday. Like that, that was the feeling. There was no, uh, there was no like. Well, Berba, where you've been? Why are you texting me? Why are you don't call me? It's nothing like that because sometimes we understand that you have your own life, you have your family, you have your business interests or whatever. So, but when we see each other, I will say, "How are you, my friend? You know, are you okay? You need something? You know, this stays. This stays." Of course, not with everyone, because you cannot be in good relationship with everyone. Otherwise, I think that something is wrong with you and you are fake. You cannot love and, and be okay with everyone. Fucking hell. Or maybe you can, I don't know. But it is, I, I try to keep in touch with everyone. Even if I didn't speak with someone for a long time, if I need to ask something, I'll ask him. You know, normal stuff. Your relationship with uh, Vidic certainly isn't fake. Maybe it's, a, is it a Balkan connection? Yeah, it is Balkan connection. Yeah. It's always good to have someone. Slavic blood, is it? Yeah. It's always good to have someone in the team. For example, when I go to Manu, uh, it's good to have someone from the Balkans because you feel not alone. You feel that someone is there for you, that he can be a support in a language-wise or culture-wise, you know. So it's always good to have someone in the team. And yeah, we are, we are brothers, Serbian, Bulgarians, all the Balkans. I, personally, my point of view that we are really close. I can speak Serbian, so... It was good to have Vida when I was there. Where did you learn Serbian? I'm intelligent like that. How many languages do you speak? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> no, Serbian, I mean, Bulgaria, Macedonia, Serbia, you know, uh, Croatia. I can speak all these languages because it just comes natural to me. I was born close to the border. So, I don't know, I never learned it. I just, I'm just intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> Why does this part of the world produce so many good footballers? I, I interviewed yeah. Nemanja Matic yesterday, and, and he thought about it and said, anger. He said, we're, we're angry people. We, we've had things go against us in life. Uh, anger to prove, to prove ourselves, maybe? Or I think to prove he, something to someone? He grew up with his village being bombed yeah. by American planes yeah. and his parents shielding him well, from... he have it worse than me, yeah. that's for sure. He have it worse than me. So I'm pretty sure he's very proud from what he's achieved so far. 
but why do we have so many talented players? Physically, the, the, the big lot of basketball players come from yeah, any part of the world. I can speak only football-wise, right. because this is my profession. And not only Bulgarians, uh, Serbian, Croatian, you know, uh, back then in Yugoslavia, you know, uh, and a lot of these players like Zvonimir Boban, uh, Darko Pančev, he used to play in, in Red Star Belgrade, he was a striker, I love him I know. a lot. Look, Red uh, Star were the best team in the world in 1991. Win the European League. With players yeah. from that, that area, they Plus didn't bring HK, them in. Uh, you know, Savicevic. you know, these kind of players used to watch and like, oh my fucking God. And they were unbelievable. And you cannot say they were bad players, they're phenomenal. They're phenomenal. And we always had that, I don't know why, we just love football and we, we always have talented players. The problem probably now is the choices you make. Because life has changed a lot since back then. Uh, and now you have more things to do, more choices to do. So which one you're going to choose? Is it going to be the right one or the wrong one? I can speak purely for my country. We have and we will have a lot of talented players. But the choices they make sometimes are not the best ones. I don't know why. Maybe they don't have the right people next to them. Maybe they are not uh, mentally prepared. Uh, because the truth is, to succeed, you need to go outside of our countries, you know, Bulgaria, Serbia, or whatever, which is a sad thing, but you need to do it if you want to develop as a football player. And when you go out, first year is crucial if you're a young boy. My first year in Leverkusen was crucial for me because there were moments where this close to say, fuck off, I need to go back, I cannot handle that anymore. New country, new language, new friends, new team, everything new. So if you don't have someone next to you, father, or mother, or, or, or girlfriend, or whatever, to, to say, listen, this is something you love to do. So suffer for a short while so you can prosper in the long run. And if you don't have someone like that, or you, yourself, the most important, to say that to yourself, then it's not going to work out. That's why so many Bulgarian talented players go out one year, year and a half, or even less, and they go back home. And it's finished. And this is a sad thing. Timing, good influences. You know, nobody would have said that that Leverkusen team would get to the Champions League yeah. final. Um, Top Muller was a very distinctive looking coach. <laughs> yeah. why, do, why, <laughs> why do you start laughing when I mention his name? Because I love him a lot. Because he was the guy that uh, he was telling me, Bert, you're not playing now, but don't worry, you're going to play. You, know, you, give you, that, you give me that confidence to be, to, to calm down a little bit because this was in my first year, year and a half, that I was thinking bad things in my head, well, I'm not playing, I need to go back home. Back home, I'll be the king, you know, shit, things like this. But he was like, don't worry, I see you're not happy, you're not playing, your time will come. Train, train. And it did, it did came in the end, you know, and he was good with everyone and he was uh, passionate and he was smoking beside the touchline, you know, you can see footages of that back do, in the do day. Do you smoke? No. Did you smoke? No, this is a I'm perception sure. of me that people think I smoke purely because they see a photo of me. There's one photo, yeah, that's why I asked, asked the question. Because I have friends of mine who are smokers, heavy smokers, and I'm like, well, let me show you what cools look like. Put the cigar in my mouth just for fun of it, and that's it. And Martin Joll at Tottenham was Martin, a, you know, a good influence. Again, 
it was like a love from first sight, you know, because I saw him, uh, first time I saw him was when I go to White Hart Lane uh, to introduce myself to him with my agent and Daniel Levy was there and I see him in the chair like this, sitting down and the moment he came, Berba, my friend, and he just hugged me around uh, with his, you know, because he's a big guy. He's a strong guy. So he give you a bear hug? A bear hug and like, Berba, welcome, my boy, welcome. But you've never met him before? No. But the moment I see him, I don't know why, you have that chemistry with people. And the other thing is he reminds me of my granddad, you know, and who was passed away. But when I saw him, I'm like, what the fuck, man, that's not true. You know, I can see my grandfather in him. Uh, purely physique-wise, you know. And then Martino can give you that impression that he's really... Uh, Serious? No, like, yeah. But he's a great guy. A great guy. Did you hear about when Sir Alex went to sign Anderson and he went to shake his hand and Anderson did to Fergie what Martin did to you? Hey, my friend. Give him, to Fergie. He gave him a big, big hug. <laughs> but he was 18 years old from Brazil. Well, I can see that happening because Anderson was like that. He was, uh, he was enjoying. I don't know, specific things in life. He still does. Or maybe Brazilians are like this, yeah. I don't know. Uh, but I will, never, I, I will never do that. I can never don't imagine myself doing that. Fergie loved him. He well, loved he, Anderson. Well, he did. He did, actually, because I can see the way he was treating it in the turning uh, around in the dressing room. And he gave you that, uh, not childish behavior, but that sense of... Uh, like myself from time to time, just don't care too much, just live your life, enjoy it. Uh, when I published that interview, I got a big long WhatsApp message off Anderson and, hey, Fergie just called me. <laughs> He's been reading it. Wait, where is Anderson now? Anderson is playing in the Turkish second division. He still loves life. I spent <laughs> 24 hours with him in uh, Brazil last year and it was very, very entertaining. Uh, Still with the hair. yeah 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 his uh, his English isn't quite perfect just yet. But uh, what the fuck he spent uh, more here than me then. Yeah, but yeah, you know he told the twins Rafa and uh, Fabio when they arrived. Listen, I, I take care of you. I'm going to teach you English, and they're like, okay. But the problem was he couldn't speak English, exactly. so he teach them phrases like, my car no fly. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, well, Raphael would say. <laughs> well, uh, that's find it uh, difficult because to understand because English is one of the easiest language to learn, actually. So, I mean, you need to learn that. Anderson gave me one of the great quotes I've ever had as a, a journalist. He said, uh, "I get on very well with all the mothers of my children," and he does. Okay, wait. He a has minute. a great enthusiasm wait for life. <laughs> How many are there? Um, this is disputed because he told me a figure and someone at Manchester United said, that's not even true. Uh, well, Ando, Ando, piece I of think, advice, my friend, to use a condom. I think, I think if you say he's generous with his affection. Oh, my God. Well, and how was Fergie with you? Well, I, I imagine uh, different in a way that he was different with everyone because you need to know how to speak with different people differently. This is what I think. So he, he can speak probably with me one way, then he goes to another player, maybe speak differently. Uh, but he was okay, you know, as, as much as I can, uh, you know, remember and uh, tell you 
I think everything that he was you know, trying to show me before game, after game, when we have jokes or conversation with me, with the other players, you know, I have uh, learned, or I think I learned a bit of how to be a manager if I would like to be a manager one day. So maybe I will try to implement some of the things, techniques that he used to put on us in football-wise. You know? you think Vida would make a good manager? Because he wants to be one. Well, I'll tell you right now, every football player thinks that he can be a great manager. But that's not the case, you know that. Uh, and most of the time, the great football players are not good managers. I don't know why. This is one of the mysteries in life to me. How can you be a great player, great, great player, and then go into management and cannot teach the same thing that you do so well? How is that possible? Because you, you have to be a social worker. You have to deal with 24 different people, and they're all completely different temperaments and personalities and some people can take criticism some people cannot take criticism okay but you still teach what you what you love to do and you've done it better than most players in the world yeah. I'm, I'm talking about really but maybe you get players. frustrated for example Roy Keane would get frustrated because he'd teach people but they couldn't do it like he could what he saw as a simple pass mm -hmm. was not simple to the people he was trying to teach. And then there are other factors, pressure from the media. Would you be good with the media? If, well, you, if you're the manager of Luton Town... Why Luton Town? I'm just I'm saying the manager Luton of Manchester Town. United. All right, you're the manager of Manchester United, you come in, yeah. would you be good with the media? Well, this is, first of all, you need to, to make a plan of all the things that can happen or should happen or, if, or, or whatever, I don't know. And then try to train on these points in that plan and have in mind like a football player in the pitch think one two three steps ahead okay what happens if we lose and we lose badly how can i speak to the media afterwards and they're gonna ask me uncomfortable questions so i need to be prepared for that shit. you know things like this but then i understand that sometimes you forget all this purely because we're human beings and then your emotion takes over and you start swearing and screaming and uh, arguing with the media uh, but, again, if you're a bit clever and if you want to be a coach and you are, you are better than most of the players out there, you need to find a way to know how to communicate with the player. This, anyone can, not anyone, but this is uh, people that can teach you that, social skills. You need to be, how do you say that, uh, psychologist? Man management, yes. psychologist. Yeah. But when you've been managed from one of the best in the world, then you need to pick up something from him. Or maybe try it out in your family, in your, in your, in your environment, when you are, or speak with people. I don't know, there's some little tricks that you can put to yourself so you can develop if you want to be a coach. You know? But again, sometimes I'm thinking, because, for example, if you're the best doctor in the world, and I watch... My, my mother is medical worker, so I try to explain it so you can understand and people can understand me. You're a medical worker, you're, you're a surgeon, you do great operation. And all of a sudden, someone comes from the outside, watch you work, and he starts giving you advices how to do your job. How the fuck is that possible? Do you think that's possible? So that's it for this podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening to Dimitar as much as I enjoyed speaking to him. 
Uh, we did the interview just before the season started in Singapore. Uh, he spoke for a lot more, and his extra words are in the latest edition of United We Stand fanzine, which went on sale outside Old Trafford for the Chelsea game, and is available to download via our website, uwsonline.com. Uh, Rob Pattinson, who does the subscriptions, uh, messaged me on Friday to say that they've reached the all-time high in almost 30 years of doing the fanzine. So we really appreciate the support that you're giving, uh, especially people who love print and the printed mag that we do. We put hundreds of hours of work into it, and it's not easy to pin down an interview like this with Berbatov. I'll give you an example. I didn't really know him when he played, and I knew him a little bit. I saw him walk through mix zones, but he barely spoke. As Mark Ogden said on an earlier podcast, even after he scored three against Liverpool, he didn't really do any media. So I first spoke to him, and this took about seven months to happen, when one of the other players who knew him very well, he called him on my behalf, and I was set to go and see him in Sofia, after Manchester United played the 2017 uh, European Super Cup in neighbouring Macedonia, as it was called then. So I booked my travel to Sofia, and at the last minute, uh, Dimitar, uh, his plans changed. He went on, on holiday, and I ended up going to Sofia. So I'm basically just in Sofia for no reason, 24 hours there. And when you hear interviews like this, when they're done face-to-face, which is how I like to interview people, they don't just fall into your lap. They take a lot of time to to come together. And when I went to meet him in the south of Spain a few years ago, he was brilliant and he gets better. And I hope you enjoyed speaking to him, listening to him there, sorry. And the people who've read the mag will know that there's a lot more there. So he's got a book coming out. He's written a book himself. He explains all about that in the United We Stand interview. And... If it reads as well as he talks, and I think we could be in for a decent read there. He's just worried that it needs to be translated right from Bulgarian, which he's written it in, 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 into English. But we'll update you more about that. We'll bring you another podcast after Wolves away. I'm really looking forward to the game against Wolves. I'm not sure why, because the two games there in March and April were horrendous. The Cup game, United didn't show up. And the fans did. 15,000 applications for 4,500 tickets. And then the league game a couple of weeks later. And that was United's fourth defeat in five games. And this is the type of game United really need to get a handle on. Wolves are a very good team. They finished seventh this year, meaning they've got to go for all these Europa League qualifiers. And they don't want to do that again. They want to finish above teams like Manchester United this season. So I'm really intrigued by it. Uh, because I, th- I wouldn't be surprised if Manchester United won 3-1 or lost 3-1. And there's always uncertainty with football, that's why we love it. But the, the 4-0 defeat against Chelsea was decent, and it, but if anything, it was a flattering scoreline. So, I know I spoke to people at Wolves. I did an interview for the, the, the matchday programme there, and they were telling me that they, they've already played the two Europa League games played on Thursday night, they had a good draw away at Leicester on the opening day of the season and Nuno Espirito Santo is smart and ably assisted by Ian Cathro. They've got real money 
they've probably got access to more funds than Manchester United have got. They've just got to live within the financial fair play, but they're trying to create more of um, a buffer for themselves by expanding Molyneux. They've put a safe standing area into Molyneux that's ready to go, so we might be seeing some movement on that pretty soon. Anyway, let's enjoy the game on Monday night, hopefully. From the outset, I'd probably settle for a draw, <laughs> just because uh, I'm probably scarred by how United played against Wolves last season. But we'll be doing a podcast from there, and we'll bring you that in the week. Until then, goodbye.